In case we haven't met, my name is Brian Telzerow, and I'm the uh, pastor of Congregational Life here at Fifth, and uh, I have the privilege this morning to uh, bring the Word of God to us. So as we start, I wonder, I have a question for us. Have you ever tried to learn a new game, a new language, a new skill, perhaps, or something technical on your computer, your phone, or your, uh, your TV, perhaps, and you just couldn't get it? Anyone? Yeah, thought so. Uh, we were, it was funny, we were just talking with some friends last night about a particular game. How many of you are Euchre fans? Oh, we have a fair amount here. Okay, boy, if you're trying to learn that, in a conversation with some friends last night, they referred to trying to learn this game five times and said, no, I, I've had enough. I, I'm just not getting it. That just happens. Or um, I've recognized that we have a group, I don't know if you know this, but every Thursday afternoon, we have a group that plays Mahjong uh, here in the lobby. Uh, and boy, when you first look at this, this really looks complicated. Uh, uh, but I'm, I'm assured by others that it's not, but you can get it. It just might take a little bit of time. Um, or how about, has anybody purchased a new TV lately? What, another remote to try to figure out how to use it? Crazy. Well, maybe you're trying to learn a new sport, perhaps, as an adult. Uh, perhaps the game of golf, or maybe in the latest days, pickleball. Uh, things can be a little bit challenging, trying to learn something new. Well, some things just take some time to grasp. And a good place to start is by asking questions and seeking clarity with patience. Easier said than done sometimes. Now, um, that being said, I've asked uh, Craig Abbott to come and uh, read our, uh, today's scripture passage uh, from uh, the uh, third chapter of John. And as he reads, come on up, Craig, as he reads, I want to ask you to pay attention to Nicodemus' desire to get it. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. 
How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved dark darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Thanks, Greg. Wow, there is a lot going on here in this passage. Yes, it's a long passage, but uh, let us remind us about why we're opening up the Gospel of John uh, this season. Uh, and as we look at this, the ending of John's book uh, gives us a clear understanding about why all this was written. He says that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That you may believe is the title of this series. And today, I've chosen this title of Born Again. How can this be? I mean, Nicodemus is very clearly here a seeker. He really wants to know. Uh, and says, you are clearly a teacher who has come from God. And he calls Jesus a rabbi, which is a title of great respect. But he's not only heard, but he's seen with his own eyes all the things that Jesus has done. And I think there's a genuine curiosity that Nicodemus has about wanting to know. So he comes at night. Now, there's scholars have different reasons why they think that Nicodemus may have come at night. Uh, he either does not want to be seen dialoguing with Jesus because he's a member of the Pharisees. He's a member of the Jewish ruling uh, group uh, that makes uh, a lot of the decisions regarding the religious practices. So the other option is that he could not get close enough to or be near to Jesus during the day to have a real and uninterrupted conversation. And I think the latter. He is really wanting to know, and this is probably because of all the crowds and commotion going on around him, that he needed to have some kind of a private audience. Well, whatever the reason, Nicodemus comes. But you notice in the passage that Jesus doesn't even wait for him to ask a question. Jesus jumps right in and says to Nicodemus that you must be born again. Now that, in today's culture, is a pretty loaded phrase. 
Uh, it's been several decades, actually, of this terminology that was really in, uh, very common within Christian circles. And so uh, Christianity Today has this explanation of born again. Uh, the phrase born again Christian is frequently misinterpreted. Looking at its primary reference, we see that its meaning is not about physical birth, but about experiencing, experiencing spiritual renewal. It's an expression used by many Protestants to define the, define the moment or the process of a fully accepting faith in Jesus Christ. It's an experience when the teachings of Christianity and Jesus become real and the born again acquires a personal relationship with God. Now, many would think that perhaps that this might be a, a needing of a um, radical conversion, but that's not necessarily the case here. Born again, according to uh, uh, Roger Fredrickson and his commentary on the Gospel of John, says the phrase born again is arresting and fresh, alive with meaning. He says it means another chance, a starting over, new life is available. It is possible to be born again, to be spiritually renewed. That is exactly what Jesus is saying here. Now, I believe that Nicodemus truly wants to know. So he asks, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. I mean, that's just even weird to think about. Surely not. But how is this done? He wants to know. Jesus answers, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and born of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And Nicodemus asked, how can this be? This makes no sense to him at this time. Well, there are a few things in life that are more exciting than the birth of a new baby in the family. Uh, I believe it was Aaron and Jeremy Ward just had a baby this past week, and I happened to have become a grandpa over this last year and a half. Uh, my grandson was born uh, in July of 2020, and today he's actually celebrating his 18-month birthday. Uh, it is truly a joy to have him around. Those are my two sons, my son and grandson. Uh, but uh, again, Jesus uses a basic earthly category, human birth, to illuminate a, a profound spiritual reality. New birth is not an intensified continuation of old ways, a deepened interpretation of the law, or a more urgent effort to obey the Levitical code. Again, says Roger Fredrickson, the jars of purification at Canaan and the temple worship in Jerusalem have had their day. But Fredrickson goes on to say in his commentary, this new birth is not some experience added to our old way of thinking or acting. We have had far too much of this in our churches. People living the old life ignorant like Nicodemus. They may have gone through the motions of religion, but there is no reality in it. They have asked people to repeat the right words and have been running in circles, doing things, taking on more projects, and desperately trying to behave right. But at the center of their existence, in their deepest selves, people have been untouched and unchanged. 
Then we have covered up the old unconverted self with churchly language. We say, of course he was baptized. Or she's been a member for over 20 years. Or you know what a great job she does handling that committee. Or they're about our best givers we've ever had. All the time, many of these people are empty and needy and spiritually bankrupt. Now that's not true for all, but that's true for some. And as we are about to embark in a profession of faith class, uh, the class, yes, has to be discussing content about what it is that we believe, but it also needs to have an element about what it means to be born again. Being born of the Spirit is a new beginning, a chance to start over. This is new life given by God himself, a breaking in of his grace, a supernatural act of bringing forth a new creation. Just as human birth is a mystery and a very specific reality, so there is deeper mystery and reality when it comes to spiritual birth. Spiritual rebirth comes from Jesus' imperative to Nicodemus, saying, you must be born again. It's not an option. It's an imperative that Jesus describes here. Once you were born of water and of the Spirit, of both, then we enter the kingdom of God. As we enter the kingdom of God, this is not an individualistic affair, but a corporate, bodily, and family event. We are now under the Father's authority and protection. Again, this is why profession of faith is done in public. It's a public declaration, but it's a family experience. Jesus goes on to tell Nicodemus, you are Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things? He gets a little frustrated and edgy here with with Nicodemus. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify what we've seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. Which for me, when I look at that, it begs the question, who are you people? And I think he's referring to the religious leaders who have been trying to teach the people about what it means to be in a relationship with God, but don't get it. You people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you still don't believe. Then how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Jesus' desire is that they would believe. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven. And the Son of Man, just as Mo- uh, so the Son of Man is, just as Moses was lifted up uh, and lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes may have eternal life. That everyone who believes can have the assurance of eternal life. Now before we get down on Nicodemus, you should know that he eventually gets it. At least I believe that. And some of the commentators that I read had the same kind of explanation. Jesus was pretty straightforward uh, with Nicodemus about what this really meant. But he has spent the rest of his life trying to figure it out, trying to get it. And there's a couple of passages that kind of give us a window into that. Uh, The first is John uh, 7 in uh, verse 50. The religious leaders are having a conversation, an argument, if if you will. And uh, they're trying to bring some judgment upon Jesus about what he's doing. And Nicodemus speaks up for Jesus by saying, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? Again, some would wonder who would risk kind of going to his defense if he didn't have some kind of belief in the process. 
And then I think the clear distinction comes in John 19 in verse 38. This is after Jesus' death. Most of us are pretty familiar with Joseph of Arimathea as the one who asked Pilate uh, for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of, his fe- because of the fear of the Jewish leaders, he goes to Pilate and gets his permission. And he came and took the body away. And he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Now, in my reading about the the anointing of the body, that was usually done by women. That was their preparation piece. But it's these two men, Joseph and Nicodemus, who are members of the Sanhedrin are the ones who come and prepare Jesus' body. There's no way that's happening without them believing, in my mind. So, I believe Nicodemus believes and is counted among those who get it. And I think uh, for, for most of us, I think it's something for us to remember that we are all a work in progress, trying to figure it out, what it really means along the way. So, how can this spiritual renewal happen in our lives? Spiritual renewal begins with God's love and an understanding of his love. And this brings us to John 3.16, probably the most quoted, uh, memorized passage and visual passage out there that exists. And in fact, why don't we uh, read this together, if we could. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So that begs the question, what does it mean to believe? Is it simply an intellectual assent or an agreement with a particular statement or set of values? No. Belief involves far more than just our heads. It requires our hearts and our hands. Notice uh, the connection between uh, what John says in verse 15 about our belief leading to eternal life and God's love in verse 16 that also leads to our belief and experience of eternal life. For everyone who believes may have eternal life in him and for and for. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him has eternal life. Belief like this requires to be born again. So again, what does that look like? Well, do you love with your heart or your head? Now, if you probably ask your spouse, they would probably say, I want you to love me here. Yeah, maybe a little bit here, but a lot of bit here. Now I ask the same question, what does it mean to believe? Do we believe with our hearts or do we believe with our heads? In most of our experience in moderndom, we would say it's belief has been pretty much with our heads. Uh, our, our abilities to make a statement and to declare what it is that we believe. But the reality is, it's not one or the other, it's both and, and more. It includes our hands and feet. If you really want to know what someone believes, take a look at how they spend their time and their money. 
It's what we do that really uh, demonstrates what it is that we believe. So what we truly believe should show up in our hands and feet. Now, see if this story maybe helps this. Uh, this is an old illustration. Uh, I've been involved in doing ministry, uh, talking and speaking since probably the ni- 1985, four. It was when I started with Young Life uh, in those early days. And we used to use this illustration about a man who put a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And uh, if you've heard this story, bear with me. If it's new to you, I hopefully see this makes this point for us. He puts his tightrope across Niagara Falls, and just like the Flying Walindas, who were a circus act or whatnot, they would do this tightrope walk across that wire. Have you ever seen anything like that? You know what that looks like, right? Somebody's holding a big bar to kind of help hold them balance, and this guy walks across and comes back. And there's a gentleman there who was watching this happen, and in astonishment, sees this guy walk across and come back again. He said, that was amazing. And he starts going out to other people around here. Come, check this out. I said, are you going to do this again? I can do it again. Off he goes. Goes across and he just starts gathering all kinds of people. Come on, check this out. Look what this guy's doing. And he goes across this tightrope and comes back again. And the guy is absolutely amazed at what he's doing and what he's watching. And he, and he comes down to the person uh, who's been so amazed and says, do you think I can do this again? Yes, I've seen you do it twice. Clearly you could do it. Well, I have this apparatus here. I'm going to take this across with me. Do you think I could do that? He says, yeah, yeah, you, I think you can do that. So he takes this apparatus, which is, has a little bit of wheel that doesn't have the rubber on it, but it has a little track in it so that he can go across the wire. Uh, and it basically looks like a wheelbarrow takes his wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls and comes back again. The guy's absolutely astonished that he could do this. This is incredible, absolutely incredible. And he's calling all kinds of people around to come watch this. And after the tightrope walker finishes, he comes down. He says, do you think I can do that again? He says, oh, absolutely, no question you can do it. He says, if you believe so much, will you get in the wheelbarrow? Wow. That defines what belief really means. Are we willing to give our entire selves to what Jesus has done? To be born again means we get to be a new creation. If we truly believe, if we truly are born again, we will see it in the way we love one another and the way that we treat one another. It changes everything for us. And this concept that Rogers or Fredrickson refers to of this new creation that comes in this rebirth or this spiritual renewal or being born again is possible and it's seen throughout the New Testament. And Paul writes about it to his letter to the church at Corinth. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So to be born again is possible. And in fact, it's an imperative according to Jesus as he speaks with Nicodemus. But this is a spiritual rebirth which means new life, a starting over, a new chance for all of us 
Every one of us. No one is excluded. No matter what experience you've had in your life, no no matter what kind of addiction or brokenness or pain that you've been through, all of us have the ability to experience this new life and new chance with Jesus. Being born again means that you get it. Jesus is your Lord and Savior and that you are not just following a set of rules apart from relationship. And in fact, I believe it was Josh McDowell who coined the phrase uh, that rules without relationship leads to rebellion. So God's love and rebirth by his spirit gives us a new life, a desire to follow God in ways uh, in a relationship with Jesus. So you are now a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. We are now together living out a ministry of reconciliation as his ambassadors, as his beloved children. We get to do this because he loves us. So, how does this show up in our lives? It's going to be different for all of us. Whether you're in middle school or high school, learning something new, you get to experience God's grace and peace and newness by trusting him in the process. What does this look like if you're in college or maybe you're working through your careers uh, or you're at home or you're in your neighborhoods or perhaps even your church? What does it mean to be born again and to live that out as a believer in Jesus? Just trust and know that whatever way that is, maybe it's different for everybody, it's in every circumstance, but it's the same spirit. It's this spirit that Nicodemus was seeking to figure out and get. It's the same spirit we get to live in practice in our own lives, in this place, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and in our schools. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.